Seven days, gentlemen. Seven days. Yes, and so I become a father of two. My hair goes permanently gray, and I just uh, maintain the shaved head because uh, the stress will just reduce the follicle count in my entire scalp, and it'll uh, it'll be at the end of times, more than likely. So I'm super excited about that. But first, welcome to the Blue Mighty Podcast. It's been a little bit since we last talked. Lots of stuff has happened. Uh, with me tonight is Robert Stieg, as always, uh, alongside... Senator Giggity. Uh, Anthony Vito is off getting married, so he's unavailable. Um, he was put on the unavailable list about 15 minutes before uh, kickoff, so you guys should have that in your email inboxes. Um, the, the list won't be accurate because, you know, even though there's only like seven guys on the unavailable list, about half the roster will still be unavailable. Um, but hey, such is life. Guys, what's been going on? It's been a little bit since we last talked. What's new in your world, Steve? Um, I moved. That's the biggest thing. Uh, I, uh, I'm now a proud resident of Tampa rather than St. Pete. Uh, took the, yeah, right. Take, took the journey over the bridge, uh, the, the rainbow bridge, as they call it. Um, and uh, yeah, I moved today. Uh, I've been slowly but surely moving into my new place and uh, everything's final today. Uh, got all the furniture. If I can give one piece of advice to, to everyone listening, I don't care what your budget is. I don't care how much you're moving, hire movers. It makes your life so much easier. God bless these guys from, uh, I, 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 I hired college hunks to uh, come move my stuff. You know, they're, they're actually really good. They, yeah. uh, they've grown that business from almost nothing. And I've heard nothing but good things about them. I'm actually moving here in the next couple of months and I may use them as well. I cannot recommend it enough. They did a fantastic job. Uh, basically took all the really heavy stuff and I feel so bad for them. They, uh, the elevator at my car apartment complex is just too big for my couch to fit in. And, uh, so these, these poor guys had to carry that couch up, uh, two flights of stairs to the third floor and, uh, and did it with a smile on their face the entire time. So, uh, cannot recommend them enough if you guys ever have to move, not sponsored. Um, but yeah, finished moving. Uh, that's about it yeah. going on in my life. Well, you're a, you're a job creator now, Steve. Good job. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> Senator, what's, uh, what's new with you, man? How you been? Uh, not a whole lot. Just trying to get through, you know, the, the Christmas season. I think I've, I finally folded, and I think I'm going to spend Christmas actually at Disney because it's this, one of the safest places in Florida, which is insane to say, but yeah. So uh, we're doing that. Um, I got Matthew McConaughey's book as an early Christmas present. I don't know if that's supposed to be ironic or, or what, but it seems so pretty good so far. So aside from that, I've heard good things. So why? That dude is a he's a weird guy, but I like him. Yeah, I watched him on uh, Hot Ones with Sean Evans uh, yes, a couple yes. of weeks ago, and uh, he was just uh, fantastic. And you know it's rare you get some of the, these actors who are pretty authentic and I think he kind of comes across as one of them. So and that may be on the, the must read list uh, coming up in 2020 or excuse me, 2021. Jesus. Yes. No, 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 no more 2020, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well guys, uh, as I mentioned, going to have kid number two, uh, spending Christmas with the in-laws and then uh, staying, staying here uh, as Samantha recovers from a C-section. Um, just, so she doesn't have to climb upstairs and it's going to be 
interesting. Um, please feel free to send me any tips from going to uh, one to two kids. I hear it's uh, a complete game changer. Um, kids with three parents or three kids uh, more, just, I don't want to hear it. I, you, you made your bed. All right. It was your choice to have three kids. That's Not your only made your bed, but you made some stuff in it. Yeah. Don't, don't project onto me all the pain and suffering that you have. My boss continues to do that with me. Uh, just saying, man, you know, two's pretty bad, but she should have three. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go fuck you, yourself. You can drown in six foot of water just as easy as you can at 600. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm already uh, at my wit's end with a one. Can't wait for, for number two. And because he's a boy, it, it's going to be a carbon copy of me. And I was just a dickhead when I was younger. So I'm super pumped about that. So. <laughs> I was about to say, I was it kind of similarly, similarly, um, my sister's a lot like my mom, she's the older, and then I'm just like my dad. So I project your child to look basically like photocopy your face at, you know, as a child, and it's going to be the exact same way his entire life. Yeah, it's gonna be great. You know, the, the youngest of three with uh, 11 years in between the oldest and, and me, and then three and a half between the middle and me. And I, uh, I felt oh. neglected. And, we're actually uh, pretty close in birthing. We're there, uh, Nathan. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 11 and then five. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Nate, do we have a name yet? Not yet. Nathan Bond Jr. God, no. <laughs> that poor kid's going to have enough to deal with. If he comes out looking like me, I don't want to give him my name, too. <laughs> Archibald <Shoot>. Bond. <laughs> Just nicknamed Tiny Archibald. So, um, yeah, so let's kind of get into it, guys. Lots lots to cover. Uh, let's jump into probably one of the most exciting Wednesdays of all time in, in USF history. And, God, it's been it's been a long, long time since we've had a day like uh, last Wednesday. Let's be, let's yep. be real here. Um, let's start it out with, with football just an absolute onslaught at the 11th hour from Jeff Scott and his band of merry men on the recruiting trail. We knew the class was you know, shaping up to be pretty good, but dear Lord, Steve, they, they took it to another level on, on Wednesday, you know, Tuesday and, and Wednesday. Uh, what can you say about what this staff did bringing in a guy like Jimmy Horn Jr. at the, last minute and some of these uh you know top tier you know sec big 12 transfers that are coming in uh for for the bulls in, in 2021 and all eligible yeah i mean what what's there to say that was probably the most perfect day that you could have asked for if you were jeff scott and and pretty much the usf football staff um i mean it all started from I, I'll, I'll start on tuesday um, we heard some rumblings here and there that there was going to be a few transfers that are going to announce um, on, on Wednesday. Uh, and the first one was Jamari Stewart. We got kind of word downwind that he was going to be one of the guys that signed. And so I, I started getting a little bit more hopeful about this class. Don't get me wrong, as far as the high school recruits, they're absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I absolutely love all 16 of these guys that signed. I think every single one of them has an important position to play for USF football going forward to rebuild this team into into what it should be 
Um, but when we started hearing the rumblings about the transfers, that's where I'm thinking we're going to get a more immediate impact. And I think Jamari Stewart was kind of the, he was the one that was like tipping the scale for me. And then God, Jaron Williams, holy shit. What, what a, what a way to just blow the pants off of what I was expecting from the day. Um, it, it, it's funny because it took me a second to realize who it was. I, I feel like there was just so much going on that day between me having right. to rewrite a bunch of people and, you know, getting these new guys that were transferring in and, and signing and everything. And what a whirlwind of emotion it was to, to get a guy like Jaron Williams to come into this building, because now at least you have a really, really, really stacked quarterback room. Um, I think when you have between Jaron Williams, Jordan McLeod, Cade Fortin, and uh, I'll throw Timmy McLean in there between those four guys, you, we won't have a problem at quarterback next season. I guarantee that. Um, one of those guys is going to step up and one of those guys is going to, to be the guy and, and lead USF through the entire season. And, and not to be left out, Travis Martian and Jordan Smith are both talented quarterbacks in their own right. Travis Marsh, I mean, he's had glowing, glowing reviews from this coaching staff, you know, basically – this entire season and he just he just couldn't stay healthy much like Cade Fortin uh you know Kescott's uh post signing day press conference he kind of alluded to like man I mean Cade you know basically one drive against Tulsa was fantastic he just got hurt and could never recover and it, it there's at least bodies there like there's no way you go 0 for 6 again in that quarterback room without without finding the guy for next year for two years down the road. And, you know, all of these guys still have plenty of years left. Three year for everyone. Jordan McLeod has three years left. Travis Marsh has four. Jordan Smith has four. I think Jaron Williams has another two. Cade uh, Fortin, I think, has three still. I mean, you can really kind of build on this this team and, and find a leader. And it, it's going to be exciting to see what, what happens in the spring with this quarterback competition, you know, getting a full spring, getting a full – uh, you know, winter workout conditioning with, with this uh, new coaching staff spring ball. I mean, it's, it's going to be vital. I'm, I'm excited uh, to see what kind of happens at that position. Um, Senator, what, what, are, what are you most excited about from this QB position, what, what they've done uh, with signing day between the, the, Timmy McClain, the freshman, and, and Jaron Williams, plus the guys that are already on the roster? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not much for for recruiting. Um, I'm I don't think I'm legally allowed to follow teenagers on you know social media anymore. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I watched from afar and I just I, like a whipped puppy. I was like, oh, we did good. Wait, did we do we did we did good? And I mean, damn, we hit it out of the park. I know Jeff Scott's a, a miracle worker, but good lord, I mean, you got Charlie Weiss Jr. out there pulling quarterbacks like it's his fucking job because it is. But I I am I'm excited. This is this is uh, much like our friend Jamie, I have been, you know, beaten down by this program just for, for so long. I, I actually remember standing in person at the, uh, oh, what the hell was that? Um, at Skip Holtz's welcoming press conference and being like, this guy's going to win us a national championship. And holy shit, did that go, not go well? So I'm actually, this is the first time I've had a really positive feeling about a recruiting class. Uh, the transfers are great. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, you know, if we go, one and six, whatever the hell next year, I'll be pretty disappointed, but not, you know, I'm not going to throw away the program two years. I will, but right now I've got a good feeling. Right. And it, I mentioned it to Jeff Scott after the 
the signing day press conference, you know, there's some similarities with that 2014 class. You're coming off of a two and 10 season under a first year coach in Willie Tagger, and you get some of your most impactful players in the turnaround, Quentin Flowers, Marlon Mack, Dearness Johnson. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think this, this class for Jeff Scott can still have that same kind of impact with your Gunnar Greenwald. You know, some of the offensive linemen that they brought on are, there's some pro their projects, but they can be anchors down the line. The the kid from Gaither, Andrew Keefoil, I think, or Andrew Andrew Keefoil can be a, a key cog in this offensive line going forward. But yeah, I, I think getting Jimmy Horn Jr. and Timmy McLean, uh, that was that was a coup, man. And to see them kind of run through, um, it was Osceola mm -hmm. in in the state finals. Uh, this past weekend was just incredible to see. That's going to be uh, really exciting. And, and Timmy's little brother scored a touchdown at the end of the game in that state championship game. So, you know, if we can create a pipeline uh, with, with the McLean family, I'm, I'm all here for it. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun going into the future. And, you know, pairing this with the showing from the war on I-4 into signing day, it, it, you're starting to see some momentum that Jeff Scott's been building uh, despite literally 2020 being against everyone, especially this team, this roster being so depleted through you know, the last half of the year, it's good to finally start seeing some of that proof of concept that we've talked about over the last you know six or seven months of, all right, well, Jeff Scott, he's, he's going to be a good recruiter. Let's start seeing the recruiting payoff. And that's where you get these, these transfers and, you know, staving off uh, your, you know, Jackson States for Jimmy Horn Jr. with Deion Sanders, you know, coming on strong. Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, Georgia and USF offered Jimmy Horn Jr. the very same day. Jeff Scott said that as he was offering Jimmy Horn Jr., Georgia was trying to get him on the phone to offer him as well. And it's just, you know, those small recruit recruiting battles. Why would you play for some young upstart like the University of Georgia when you can come down to an established program like the University of South Florida? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah, it's, it's just super exciting to finally see this kind of stuff pay off. And, I mean, we, we've kind of harped on this for, you know, the last year or so. You know, Charlie Strong just didn't really care about recruiting being out there. And then Jeff Scott made a point, yeah, I'm on all of these calls. I'm, I'm out there. I'm making sure that everyone knows who I am, talks to me, make sure that this isn't just a position, you're you know, signing up for a position coach, you're signing up to build a program, to you know, build with him and this, this you know, new program that he's trying to figure out. It's a very exciting time to be a USF fan. And it, it's, you know, it may not pay off next year, but I assure you it's going to turn around. We're going to see vast improvement. Uh, I, I know I think game one is Florida next year. You know, you may take your lumps in that game. Uh, you know, you know, no Kyle Trask, no Kyle Pitts. Maybe, maybe you, you know, throw a scare into them, but it, it's a start. All right. And uh, to kind of dig into the, the rest of the recruiting class, the outside of, you know, the top names that we've talked about, Gunnar Greenwald, Tim McClain, Jimmy Horn Jr., who else excites you from this recruiting class that uh, you've, you've kind of figured could be a, impactful person not just in the future but next year for this roster yeah there's two guys that i'm kind of really looking at that are going to make really big impacts um basically straight out the get-go um this one kind of 
he kind of went lightly, uh, I, I guess, under the radar for a little bit just because he committed a while ago. But Devon Hicks um, out of uh, Vero Beach, um, I was reading a few things about him and, and obviously studying his film and everything. And he's one of those guys that's just going to really benefit from the fact that not only is Dwayne Boyles coming back, but Antonio Greer is also coming back. So they're going to basically get a full year of essentially playing second team right behind two very, very good linebackers in our school's history. And then probably his sophomore year, probably going to come in right in and just make a big name for himself. He's one guy that I was really, really excited about that. We not only got him committed in February, but able to stick him the entire way through at a Vero Beach. Um, he was noted as one of the most underrated linebackers in the state of Florida. Um, obviously, Vero Beach were pretty far in the state playoffs this year, but I mean, they just, uh, I think the problem was he was injured in a few games and obviously no camps and everything. He never really got the stars that he should have. But I think that he could have been a guy that could have easily gotten an offer and, you know, went to Florida, went to Florida State or something. But, you know, I think he stuck by Jeff Scott the entire way and, and just carried that in the entire way through. Didn't even hear any other offers as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then the other one that I am so excited about, and he could not hit the field for the next two and a half years and I wouldn't care, Gabe Neely. I mean, master class shit talker on Spider. social media. Oh my God. Dude's been all up in UCF Twitter these last couple of days and is not backing down. It's been and, fantastic. I think one of uh, UCF's recruits blocked him on Twitter because he was just like, I thought you, I thought you would take over his Twitter account. <laughs> I mean, and it's an artful. All right. And, you know, if it was just, in poor taste, I would invite Gabe Neely to be uh, in our Slack channel just to hear some of the shit talking that he could provide us. Uh, and it just, it's been absolutely amazing. If you guys don't follow him on social media, please do. Um, oh, you're missing out. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic, and uh, he he's been uh, he's been the the voice of this recruiting class, you know. And it, it's it's been refreshing. You know, a lot of guys are just rah rah, and then that's about it. You know supportive but I mean he's getting he's getting into it and I, I am a big fan of uh the recruits just laying siege on on your rivals and it, that's just part of the fun you've gotta you know you gotta start this uh hatred early uh oh, it's, and it's, it's really I love it I love every yeah, god he's, he's here for it <laughs> and you know what's just fantastic for for USF and in maybe not so much for the folks uh, over East is, man, they did not do well in Central Florida. I mean, they didn't do well in Florida. Apparently they're a national brand now and they can just go get national people like they're Alabama. But some of these guys, like you, you shouldn't get some of these guys uh, if you are a, a caliber of school like uh, you claim to be, you shouldn't be giving up some of these, these talented dudes. You, like your Timmy McLean's and Jimmy Horn Jr. from you know Sanford, Florida. Like you should, those guys should not be leaving your backyard. But here, and even yeah, Gunnar Greenwald, yeah, from Satellite <laughs> Beach, right? I mean, it's um, it's been it's been fun. Uh, Cole Best, what, Winter Park is that, that's near there, right? Yeah, oh yeah. No, My Florida. I wish it was a national powerhouse everywhere except for the rest of the fucking world. They're huge in Orlando, but the rest, like, nobody gives a shit. Their fans ruined everything for them. If they were just cool for, like, two weeks, everybody, they'd still be America's team. But they just had to be who they are. 
and, and you're seeing it now, right, with Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, uh, San Jose State, you're seeing all of the other, you know, national media folks kind of come to their defense with the college football play, playoff being an absolute farce. You didn't really get that with UCF because there were just such dill holes about the entire process, all right? You, uh, yeah. you, yeah. You're seeing, since, I mean, Cincinnati should be in the college football playoff regardless. Absolutely. Uh, you know, no matter what Colin thinks. Let them get blown out. I mean, Notre Dame would get blown out anyway. Texas A&M would get blown out anyway. What's the difference here? I mean, Cincinnati's coach making Texas A&M money is a difference. (laughs) It's it's incredible, right? It. So so what they if they get blown out, give them a shot. You don't know that. I think the the group of five is eight and five in New Year's six bowls um, since the inception of the college football playoff. that's pretty good. And, you know, we're going to hear the, well, you know, the, the power five teams didn't really want to be there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know what? Cincinnati doesn't want to be there because they should be in the college football playoff. All right. I, I, I want to say it was Nicole Auerbach that said, I mean, a lot of people said it, but I think she was the first one that I saw that it's not the college football playoff. It's a college football invitational. Right. It's just an invitational at this point. She had a great piece in the athletic. I think it was last week. Uh, about that, and, you know, there's there's nothing the group of five can do. I think the only way you would be able to make the college football play is you beat Alabama and Clemson in the same year, and then your other two non-conference games better be top tier as well. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna ping you know ping you for that. And if you're that good, I assure you, Alabama and Clemson aren't gonna put you on the schedule anytime soon. If uh, it's they, they they put us on the schedule and to their detriment. <laughs> those exactly, exactly. They're gonna fear the wrath of, of as a lifetime Coastal Carolina Chanticleers fan. Uh, I am a little disgusted by the the disrespect that they've shown my fighting chickens. Yeah, I mean to be known as a baseball school and and to kind of turn it around and and be such a force. Uh, on the football field has been it's been really nice for them to 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 succeed and you know I know everyone kind of remembers that infamous you know they you got too many cats we need more dogs uh, rant from 2010 from uh, the coastal head coach at the time and so I think this kind of changes it and I, I'm happy for them and uh, I think they'll they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, in the, in the future as well. Um, if you paid attention like I did, the way they handled the Campbell Camels, you knew that they were destined for greatness. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> is that a real team that they played? Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think it was the first game of the season. Yeah, it was their, oh their warm-up game. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Campbell Camels. That's the a real Campbell that's Camels. A, that, that is a very real team. I'm that's pretty sure we played them in soccer like three years ago. Yeah. No, Can it's you a real tell team. me where Campbell is? It's oh, in uh, Tennessee. Oh, you motherfucker! Is it really? Did you Google it, or did you already know? I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure I know that off the top of my head. If I'm right, I'm gonna scream. If you're right, you should turn around and take a slug of that. Oh no, I'm way off. It's in North Carolina. Oh, of course it's in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Coastal. Yeah, no. make sense. I, you know what? Campbell is still a be- is a more directionally accurate name than Eastern Carolina. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Not wrong. Um, let's let's kind of move on here. Uh, question from uh, I'm just going to kind of pepper these in throughout the podcast because this is more fun. 
Um, what will it take for McLean to start over McLeod, and do we want him to? Well, this that's from Jay Jay Rusko. Scottish play. Uh, I don't think either of them are going to start next year. I think it's going to be Jaron Williams. Um, <laughs> I think there's, I mean, I, I understand that question is, is very much recruiting related, but uh, we, we, we signed the number three quarterback in the country from like two years ago. I think he's going to be the one that starts. Um, you don't bring in a, a, a fringe four star from Juco uh, just to have him sit behind a freshman. Yeah. And he, I mean, Jaron Williams definitely had his, uh, his moments at Miami. Uh, I think he had a six-touchdown performance in his first game uh, versus Louisville uh, and then kind of started to hold on to the ball too long and then uh, it didn't really end well in Miami. And that's, you know, that that can tend to happen when you have a bad offensive line. Luckily, USF doesn't have a bad offensive line. Wait. Uh Wait. Shit. But I think the thing uh, helping Jaron Williams be the guy is the, the UCF game is, is the proof, uh, again, that, that turn proof of concept that you want to see from an offensive uh, scheme as a recruit, as a player to show, okay, this offense can work. All right, you're going up against your rival. You put up 46 points, and, I mean, your quarterback who's been much maligned for two years puts up 404 yards, throws for four, runs for another. I mean, it, that's the kind of output you want to see. And uh, I'm not saying that Jordan McLeod can't be the starter next year, but when you're bringing in a talent like Jaron Williams, uh, it's almost predestined, uh, much like Blake Barnett in 20, uh, 2018, that Who? he's probably going to be the guy. Oh, he was a transfer from Alabama, Arizona State. Uh, I think he went to community college for a little bit. Uh, damn near broke his entire leg against Temple. Um, yeah. Just, uh, hmm. No, I think I think he has the second most passing yards in USF history. Or third, second or third. It's like Quentin, him, and then BJ Daniels. Uh, I think you're talking about Mercury Swift, uh, Blackwell. <laughs> maybe. Don't believe that it's Blake Barnett. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But I'm almost positive it goes. It's Quentin versus uh, Quentin 2017, Blake versus uh, Illinois, and then BJ versus I think it's like FAMU or something. You you're right about three. Did we ever talk about that Illinois game? Because that was the, the one we played in Chicago. That shit was wild. Like that's that's one of the only times I've I've traveled for a game, and that. I don't know. There's, it, it, we 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 battled back and forth to see who wanted to lose harder. <laughs> and yeah. I met Judy Ginchat, and she was wrecked. Um, uh, Nathan, guess. Just go ahead and take a take a gander. Uh, who's fourth in the most passing yards per game? Me. Uh, total. Um, uh, fourth on the list. Growthy. Is it is it Jordan McLeod four oh four? It's Jordan McLeod's. <laughs> no shit. Okay. Look at that. Was I right? One through three? Mm-hmm. Uh, except uh, BJ Daniels was against Cincinnati, but I'll, I'll count it. Cincinnati. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dang, my bad. Am, am I crazy or did, did we get either Ben Moffitt's kid or did we hire Ben Moffitt? What happened with Ben Moffitt? Uh, ben Moffitt's kid went to App State. Oh, well, you know. 
Oh, I think it was more. I think it was more of a numbers game. I think he was committed to Illinois at one point. And then he decommitted a couple months ago, and now with Lovey gone, it was kind of a foregone conclusion. He's going somewhere else. I mean, uh, do, you, do you think his mom's going to write his papers? or? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, technically didn't get caught the first time. Uh, yeah. Let's just hold that in there for a minute. <laughs> Um, here's another follow-up question. Uh, this from um, <laughs> God damn at Thought Smasher, of course. How many <laughs> positions? Uh, how many position groups are we realistically improving on by next year? So uh, I'll, I'll go by it, and you say yes or no. Improved. All right, quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Running back. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna go wide ahead receiver. And say all of them. Wide receiver. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Tight end. Mm, I, I'll leave it yes. Yeah. Offensive line. I fucking hope so. I'll go with yes, just because, I mean, someone's going to be better next year. Okay. Uh, I'm going to break the defensive line down into two categories. Uh, the end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I'll love Oh my God! Um, apologies to anyone who who saw my comments on on the Daily Stampede's website already because I I went off about this um, <laughs> because I've never been so passionate about this in my life. But everyone was kind of pointing towards the defensive tackles as a big problem last year for USF. Um, it wasn't. I, I think Dad Mangum played great. Um, Kelvin Pinkney and, and and the rest of them they all played fantastic. Um, given for what Glenn Spencer's 3-3 defense is, your, your defensive tackle is basically your run stuff for the guy that gets the garden centers to, to come towards him to open up the A's and B gaps, or excuse me, the B's and C's gaps whenever, whenever possible. Um, and so you're, you really, you'll get production out of them. You'll get some good tackles. You'll get some, you know, a sack or uh, something here and there. But for the most part, you're going to get just tackles straight out of that position. Your defensive ends is where you're going to get your tackles for loss, your sacks, um, same thing with your linebackers. You're going to get tackles for locks and ta- tackles for loss and sacks. Um, Jason Vaughn had the most tackles as a defensive end last year with 11 for the entire season. It's not great. <laughs> that, that's not great. Uh, Keon Terrell had, I think, like six. Um, Darian Grant had like 10 tackles. I mean, your defensive ends last year, and I can't remember who the, the fourth one was um, because it was so it was so far down on the stats list that I couldn't I can't remember it now. But you basically got more production out of Thad Mangum at defensive tackle than you did at your two defensive end positions combined. So realistically, like your defensive tackles played pretty good last year, um, and I think that the fact that all four of them are coming back is a pretty good thing, um, especially when you're harboring up you know a guy like Jamari Stewart. Uh, Keon Terrell is going to have another year under his belt to hopefully, you know, get into a starting role there. Um, but you're going to need a lot more production out of those defensive end positions if you're going to want to be successful out of this 3-3. Uh, if, if we're still having some problems out of this 3-3 next year, I would imagine you're going to see this kind of like 4-3 hybrid um, pop into play every once in a while, which I'm really hoping won't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensive tackles like fine to answer your question for your next one. Uh, defensive ends, this has to be an upgrade or else we are in a lot of trouble next year. 
I, I am glad you went the way you went because it, I will not stand for any Thad Magnum uh, slander. He has the name of a god. Exactly. Uh, so basically, answer the defensive tackle question. Um, they're going to be good, which kind of leads to kind of a disclaimer here. It's why we haven't signed a defensive tackle in this cycle because there's a bit of a lockdown. We kind of, we discussed this in, in the wrap up last week, uh, but to put it in the podcast form, there's uh, four seniors, uh, four senior defensive tackles came back. Uh, which means no scholarships opened up at that position. And you still have a couple of underclassmen in that area. Uh, so they're looking to sign either one or both for the 2022 cycle, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I'm not entirely sure how that, how that crap works. Like they can go to prep school or something. I don't, I, I don't know how it works. They're picking um, another color out of the, the, uh, the closet. It, they're, Jeff Scott is wanting um, Jaquez Williams and Jalen Hobbs uh, to blue shirts. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Basically, you, uh, you go to prep school for a year, and you're signed with USF. You get a you know, verbal commitment there, but they don't really hear any offers from any other schools, and they just kind of um, you know, go to school for a year. If the offer's still on the table by that time, then – you take it. Perfect. I'd just like to reiterate that this sport is just gross as fuck. It's the dumbest sport in the world. It's, it is so weird. It, this sport is insane. Um, linebacker improved. The same. Yeah. Worse. I, I think. No, I think now that you have two more scholarship players for depth, I think it's improved. Um, I think. No offense to Andrew Mims, a uh, great, great guy. Uh, fantastic linebacker, but now that you have an actual scholarship player behind uh, Dwayne Bowles or Antonio Greer, I think you're sitting a little bit better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Uh, corner. Yeah. You lose KJ Sales, you lose Mike Hampton, you're, you bring in a bunch of guys. I think Matthew Hill is going to be a, a safety for you. Um, I think the, what, the kid from Kansas State's a, D, a corner. Um, yeah, well, I'm blanking on his name. Will I Jones. Will, we'll, uh, yeah, Will Jones. And then, Will uh, Jones is the name of a corner, so yes. And then Christian Williams as well, um, coming in I, from Miami. I, unproven, but I'd say probably probably going to be good. I, I'm For me, I think it's an improvement, but I'm, I'm, I'm really curious on how they're going to set up these five defensive backs next year uh, more than anything, especially basically – I mean, you still have Vincent Davis. Um but like who who's slotting in behind him? Who's you know who's going to take over number one corner? Is it going to be Chris Townsell? You know what's it going to be basically? I'm curious on seeing how it is, but yeah, I'll I'll go with it's an improvement. Okay, safety. Yeah, it's an improvement. We're going into the last game. Like, I, I mean, no. I mean, yeah. you're at a GCF because that's that's an air raid offense. But I saw more production out of out of Billy Sanders that game than I saw the entire year. Uh, the, you're not wrong. You know, I'm, uh, can we get to the kickers? I'm excited for the kickers because you know why? You know why? We got a goddamn Australian. We are replacing Australian with another Australian, right? That is true. I'm here for the Aussies. I want my kickers 35 years old, two fucking uh, broken marriages, a bad back, and a smoking hat. Samantha, uh, once uh, Andrew Stokes signed, uh, Samantha sent me um, the the announcement from USF Twitter account, and she like DM'd it to me. It's like, is this dude sixty? 
I'm like, close. It's 28. It's, it is often referred, Florida is often referred as the Australian or Australia of America. And, you know, it's, it's hard living. It's a lot of sunshine. You, you know, you got to, you start out smoking. It's, 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 it's a rougher life. I'm sorry. You just look a little older. You, you age a little worse, but God damn it. We're tough people. Exactly. Um, any, before we kind of wrap up football, um, anything else we should, uh, kind of cover here? Any, um, anything that you're excited about, uh, worried about something that needs to be addressed in the, the second signing period? I mean, it, it kind of sucks. We had to run off, uh, all Charlie's recruits, but it was necessary. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sorry to those guys that, that, that you got sold a bill of goods, but damn i'm I'm kind of once again i'm actually kind of excited about this next year even though it may not go exactly the way we wanted it's at least heading the right direction for the first time in almost a decade yeah it's fair um i, I guess two two things um one a is uh the status of uh jordan blackman um the i don't know how to pronounce this high school we do gaily uh, E-A-U space G-A-L-L-I-E. I've never learned how to pronounce it. Um, he is apparently in the same boat as Jacquez Williams and Jalen Hobbs. They're running him to blue shirt as well. Um, he's a guy that I, I think is a really good young depth piece. Uh, he had offers from like Arkansas and Auburn and a few others as well. Um, and then uh, and then Desmond Mamudi, obviously, uh, lost to Virginia Tech. Um, kind of a bad loss, especially because it was at a position where next year we're really going to need defensive tackles. Um, but I, I'm rather hopeful we will find a defensive tackle either in the portal next year, um, whose name rides up Mesmin Damudi, uh, that will be wanting to transfer back home after living in Blacksburg for a year. God, what? that place sucks. Um, and then uh, the, the second part of it, uh, I don't expect USF to come out of the gates hot next year, but boy, do I have high expectations for them next year. And God, that sucks. I hate that feeling. Yes, it's it is a cycle of abuse, and it will continue forever. Assuming twelve games get played, what's your like? I'm shooting like four and eight. Like I'm I'm good with four and eight. So uh, four and eight, I'm good with. I I think it. You know what? I'm a little optimistic again for the first time in a very long time. But I would not be upset with four and eight. Let me see. So we're playing Florida, BYU. No, Florida, NC State, Florida and M. Uh, um, I'll go with. I, I think I think my floor is like five and seven. Um, I, I think the AAC is really starting to take a downhill turn for some of these schools like Temple and uh, I, I think ECU is falling off the map too eventually here. I think they'll manage uh, five wins out of this. I think I think a true metric for success next year for um, is just straight up bowl eligibility. If they're bowl eligible next year, like submit this team as, as your conference champions in 2022. So no one's going the route of uh, Trey Deuce and saying they're going 12-0 and winning the conference next year. Well, if it know, happens, I'll be happy. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, you know, a rational human being for the most part, so I don't think it'll happen. But if it does, I'm, uh, I'll buy all the goddamn T-shirts for everybody in this chat right now. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. For, for Duke's um, sakes, I'm a medium. <laughs> you know, you're a medium. I, I put on I put on uh, some pregnancy weight, so I don't want to answer that question right now. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll get you an empire waist. Yeah. Wait, just 
wait until uh, you know August, and we'll, we'll go from there. You know, start a quarantine. I have lost probably like 20 pounds, and then uh, once the the pregnancy really kind of picked up and and uh, the the craving started, well, I mean, if I'm getting her a McFlurry, I can't just not get one myself. You don't want you don't buy, if if it's working, you always get two McFlurries. I mean, if that machine's working, you don't take that shit for granted. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I, there's a. I refer to myself as beefy now, which uh, is also what I've been eating too much of. So, <laughs> exactly. All right. So moving on, let's start with uh, the second part of that wonderful Wednesday. But women's basketball with another win. They beat Memphis uh, 65-58 uh, to move to I believe four and one uh, on the year. They're ranked uh, today. The excuse me, I should say uh, on Monday because this will be out later in the week. Uh, oh, on Monday, yeah, exactly. On Monday, uh, the team moved up to number 20 in the AP Top 25, tied with Texas. Um, there's one, the 19th ranked team is within shouting distance of them, and then there's a bit of a gap. A couple of teams lost last, last week, which helped them move up a few spots. This team is super, super deep. And it only gets deeper uh, because I'm going to mispronounce this poor girl's name. Uh, the NCAA approved all waivers, all transfers. Uh, so Teresa Vitilova, a transfer center from Wyoming, is now eligible. She had been sitting out the first uh, five games due to NCAA transfer rules. But thanks to uh, the NCAA governing body, um, which, you know, over the last year or so have been very uh, transfer friendly, just flatly approving all transfers uh, given the calamity that has been 2020. So we, we may be able to see her in action on uh, Tuesday, which is uh, very exciting as they take on Cincinnati on the road for game number two of the AAC slate. Uh, their game on this past Saturday was canceled uh, versus Houston because Houston has clearly not taken COVID seriously enough and has kind of run rampant. The men's basketball team, every single player has had COVID. The football team has been a catastrophe with COVID. And the women's team has also taken a big hit. Reno Cantor, what are you doing over there, girl? We wanted you to be USF's president. What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to guess it's a Tillman Fertitta thing and not really a her thing. You can only do so much when you have a billionaire donor calling the shots for the most part. Uh, yikes. You know, uh, I, I, am, I am excited that we we've uh, we've snaked a such a a good player from the 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 basketball Xanadu that is Wyoming. <laughs> hey man, <clears throat> you know, six two center don't grow on trees. And when you're the she's she's a, a six two center. Yeah, she's a uh, she's from the Czech, so it really kind of leans into uh, what she did, what you know Jose has been doing for the last got ten years. Um, let's see. She, I mean, she was a baller. Let's be real here. Um, I was about to say, we could have really used her against Baylor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, she averaged uh, 25 minutes per game last year as a sophomore and averaged uh, a team high 14 points and five and a half rebounds. Uh, she was 54% from the field, uh, 44% from three. So not only is she 6'2, she's a sniper from outside, 85% from the free throw line. Um, scored 30 points once, had six 20-point games, 
um, this I am just so excited. Anyway, oh my god! No, no, I, I, I just want to say that I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of of USF uh, women's basketball, and they are the sneaky best team that USF has, uh, just below the sailing team, and I'm dead serious about that. Yeah, you're right, and you know, the sailing team has our national champions for a reason, so it makes sense. And uh, when you when you I've said this a thousand times, when you beat Navy at sailing, you got something going on. Yeah, um, this question from uh, state state of USF state of the USF, excuse me. Uh, what's the ceiling for women's basketball this year? Ceiling? Hmm. What's the ceiling? Sweet bitches. Uh, I'd say their ceiling is Final Four. I think that's the highest they could possibly go. Expectations I, for Teresa. Um, I, I think she's kind of like the uh, the healthy third center that you kind of need. Um, Betty Manunga is obviously your your combination, you know, defensive offensive player. Um, in the post, you get Beatrice Jordan, who's just a defensive machine, and you bring in Teresa, who is basically your your offensive output as far as the center goes. Um, so I, I have pretty high expectations as far as their ceiling goes. I think if they get in the right hot streak, I think that's a team that could probably, you know, burst some bubbles and make it to the final four as like a, like a six seed probably. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say elite eight, but it's contingent upon, uh, Lana Tesnecki, Sydney Harvey and, uh, Elisa Penzan picking up their shooting. Uh, the trio or no one's shooting above, uh, 33% from the field so far between the three of them. Um, and as those three go, so does the rest of this team. Um, you can't really rely on Maria Alvarez right now just because she's coming back from injury. It's going to be tough uh, to put that much pressure on her uh, so soon. But those three need to kind of pick it up, and I think they know that. Uh, luckily, you know, the Bulls are shooting under 30% from three this year, but opponents are shooting 17%. And it, it, that's kind of what you're getting from this Bulls team, even though those three are not shooting the ball well, you're still getting high effort, high energy on the defensive end. And that's why you're, you know, you're out, re- out rebounding teams by, by 10 a game, right? It, and it, that's just what you can do. I mean, you throw, you throw a Teresa on this, on this roster, it, along with Betty and Shay and, and Beatrice Jordal. And it, it's that front court is just as deadly as the back court right now. Uh, I mean, God bless Jose. He's, he hasn't had this, uh, luxury or problem over the last couple of years he's got to figure out rotations now because there's so many good healthy players on this roster that he, he's going to have to figure out how to how to play everyone he, what a he, problem to have i mean it's a it's a fantastic problem to have i would say uh you know after the last couple of years you know playing with like five and a half bodies healthy bodies just due to injuries and other you know reasons it's good to finally see a, a healthy women's basketball team um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Dukes route and say uh, national champions. <laughs> okay. I mean, they've, they've already beat, beaten one uh, former Final Four uh, team, and I think Mississippi State won the national championship two years ago. So, sure. I mean, why not, right? And, and they took Baylor to the wire. They, there's this such a good team, and I'm so excited for them. Uh, if uh, – the women beat Cincinnati on Tuesday at Cincinnati. It would be the first time ever men's and women's basketball have swept Cincinnati on the road in athletic department history. Um, so good for them. Um, quick, it'll be the first question. one. What's up? 
do we have a more kind of healthy, respectful rivalry, rivalry, rivalry with any other program than we do Cincinnati? I feel like we're both like we're good. Like we're not like really rivals, but it's still fun, and we're always usually pretty good or at the same time. Across all sports. Uh, yes, across all sports. Obviously, not football. Um, I, I would like to say yes, but their bat and ball teams are just piss poor. Uh, like for basketball, it's pretty close rivalry wise. Yeah. Um, women haven't beaten Cincinnati on the road uh, since 2018. Um. So I, I would say basketball is a little bit closer. I, I remember a couple of basketball games with the men when uh, Jaron, Jaron and Jason or Jaron and someone Cumberland, the Cumberland brothers were in Cincinnati. They you know, gave them a good run for their money over the last couple of years. So, yeah, and, you know, Cincinnati's always been fine. I think Cincinnati got held out of the college football playoffs because they couldn't blow USF out. And awesome. you see what – <laughs> You, yeah, see what Notre, you, you see what Notre Dame did to USF and like, well, if you're that good, why didn't you do it? Why couldn't you do what Notre Dame did to USF? So, okay. Well, I just, I, I just based off, uh, I mean, Twitter interactions alone, Cincinnati has a pretty good fan base. They're, they're always little brother to, you know, Ohio State. Right. Or, yeah. And I'd say the, the other closest one is Tulane, but just, just for like a, a fun rivalry, just, you know, we, we screw around with each other. But we're always a little competitive. Yeah, with, with Tulane, they're our drinking buddy that we um, also stuff into a locker when we play most of the time. Oh shit! I did not know I was Tulane. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, pal. It won't happen again. I promise. Yeah, dick. <laughs> um, yeah. So exciting times for women's basketball again Tuesday. Um, they they face Cincinnati. Uh, 2 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Uh, so check that out. And then, uh, I mean, to cap off another spectacular, the, the the best Wednesday ever, men's basketball upset Cincinnati on the road. And so the Bulls were up by 12 at one point. The they, Cincinnati tied the game at 68 and then just pulled away at the end there at the 170, 74-71. Uh, uh, and it it was a, a clutch, clutch, uh, you know, final four minutes of that game uh, from the Bulls, and a very impressive road win for Brian Gregory and his squad. I know one of the questions uh, from Twitter was, why are they still so bad at free throws? It seems to be a, a feature, not a bug, in the Brian Gregory uh, program, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is still – it's a poor three-point shooting team, and typically, your three-point, your good three-point shooters are your good free-throw shooters. See Justin Brown. Uh, it's just like everyone else kind of is not. So this is where you get get it. You know, a lot of a lot of the best shooters from the line are good three-point shooters, and that's just not what USF USF has had over the last ten years. So you know, uh, you know what? I take it all back. Fuck you, Bearcats. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the men also play uh, Tuesday, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which I am not. Uh, they they welcome fans into the Yaling Center on Tuesday at 7 p.m. for the first time all season. 1,200 fans if you haven't gotten your tickets yet. Um, 
you should probably go find some if they haven't sold out already. You can still do the, the fan cutouts and um, Brian Gregory and Jose Fernandez will sign those uh, blown up pitchers and we'll, you will get them back at the end of the year, which I thought was a really cool addition. I didn't know that was part of it. Uh, I didn't know so that then, either. I would have uh, chosen a better picture. Yeah, I, actually, I'm going to do the, the one at Colin and giant unnecessary shorts. Oh, yeah. Um, actually you know what i'm gonna do grogu fuck it i'm doing it (laughs) so yeah so they they face wichita state um on on tuesday wichita state's been through been through some shit over the last not five five months of firing or you know parting ways with greg marshall after shockingly him being a douchebag which i just can't believe it guys i'm utterly shocked i'm clutching greg marshall was a dick. I'm bewildered. I, uh, uh, yes, I, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what's real anymore. I thought he was the greatest man alive. I thought he was, it was like Mother Teresa and then and then Greg Marshall. And Mother then, Teresa, like, Dan Hurley, and then Greg Marshall. Yeah, yeah, Dan Hurley, I forgot about him. <laughs> Next thing, you're going to tell me Phil Knight's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. I will give Ben uh, Hurley credit. Uh, he's probably the most expressive coach that I've ever had to have the pleasure of shooting a basketball game with. You know, I would love, I would have loved to be able to talk to Dan Hurley uh, over the last couple of years, but he's a little bitch and didn't show up to the press conferences both times USF beat uh, UConn in Tampa. So fuck him. Got him. <laughs> you can't, you can't be that much of a dill hole and then not take your fucking lumps when you lose. Oh, like that's such to, a oh God, that's that's such a fuckboy move. <laughs> oh, it's a complete fuckboy move. Are you kidding me? He's just oh. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. Oh shit! All right, well, I'll be in my Tesla. Yeah, I can't. I'm so I'm so glad UConn's out of the conference. Just just for that reason, I loved watching UConn baseball because they were always fantastic and had a permanent horseshoe stuck up their ass in clear water during the conference tournament. Uh, and then Gino Oriema is one of the best clutch you'll ever have uh, as a as a reporter. So um, super unfortunate for that, but glad you comes out of the conference just because I don't have to deal with Dan Hurley. And if you think of what I'm saying about Dan Hurley is bad, you should have heard some of the people in the media room. Uh, I think it was last year, or the year before, after Dan Hurley uh, didn't come in to talk to the media. Um, after that loss. It's I've just, never heard of media people being bitchy. Nope. We are normal, sane folk, but man, they, I mean, they let him have it. It was fantastic. I had um, to, uh, I had to find this because I, I, I remembered back when uh, he did actually give a comment after um, the USF UConn game, I think two years ago when. Uh, should have beaten by more. Yeah. Um, and he finally gave a comment to UConn media when he got back to, uh, to stores and said, he basically blamed it on the players and said that they don't know how to win. And um, he goes, when you don't have a guy in the program that's ever had a winning season and things are going, things start going sideways, it's hard to have strong leadership presence as a player. And he basically blamed it on the players and goes, but I'm not blaming the players. Yeah, I love the, the fucking coach blaming leadership. Art. Eat, art. Eat all sorts of dicks. Y'all have y'all have fun in the Big East, man. I think y'all I think they lost at Creighton the other night. So shout out to no escalators. 
I actually do love those guys. Have fun dealing with that when you could have just been beating the brains out of uh, ECU and and Temple and and Tulane and getting to the tournament and having a shot. But you could have beat all sorts of other Catholics. (laughs) (laughs) The other kinds of Catholics. Um, Fun ones. You know, early season impressions of of Caleb Murphy have been, uh, I think, mixed. I think you you see why he was such a highly regarded recruit coming out of high school. I mean, his his first step to the hoop is explosive as all get out. Um, still struggling struggling to to finish uh, at the rim. It'll it'll come with practice. I think he's a bit of a liability on defense right now, as most freshmen tend to be. It's a work in progress. He'll get there. He's got to find a, a, a better jump shot. He's got to be able to knock down 15-footers. He needs to be able to stretch the defense for Lex and Michael Durr, who's had a bit of a renaissance over the last you know, 20 games, dating back to last year. You need to be able to find those guys and create some space for them. David Collins, after getting benched, has shown uh, shown a spark that's been missing early on. I think he won uh, player of the week last, last week or the week before. Um, so it's working. Uh, let's see. Xavier Castaneda coming back from injury has been fantastic. Much improved. Still struggle against the press against Cincinnati, which kind of let the Bearcats back into the game. It was, uh, if you read the preview, it's something that I, I said was an issue last year, and it still kind of continues to be an issue. It's going to be something that the Bulls will need to work on when they're, you know, when they're up, you know, eight, you know, five to eight points, you know, Cincinnati started pressing at 12 because they need to make the comeback. You, you can't, you know, turn the ball over, have bad possessions and get out of sorts once you get across half court and then just kind of run a, a, a kind of a shitty play because you're not focused. It's going to be something for them to work on going into the future. But overall, I mean, God, that one last Wednesday was, it was okay. nice to have it. It was nice to have a day like that. Long, long time coming. Felt like all the dominoes were falling in the right place. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's why Colin and I have been so optimistic about the leadership of Michael Kelly, Jeff Scott, Brian Gregory. I mean, it's, the pieces are there, folks. They just, the, the powers that be at USF just need to let them work. It's almost like they need to let them cook. Vaguely. Vaguely let them cook. And it, it's starting to work. Um, let's let's uh, hit up some questions real quick that I haven't that I haven't touched on. I, I know one you can there answer. What's up? Uh, it's about a Facebook friendship. Uh, I'll oh, okay. No, it's fine. No, I I, I was thinking about it. Uh, no, we're out of time. No, uh, so no, I'm not going to accept your friend request, uh, USF Wizard. Uh, after eight years, I'm still not friends with my mother-in-law on Facebook. That's it's, smart. It's she's a wonderful woman. It's just it's so far gone you, past you, the you point don't, of you don't need, where I can that, do it in your life. <laughs> I'm sure she's a great woman, but like I, I don't even like having my own mother on Facebook, so I don't fucking need to know exactly all of her thoughts about certain politicians. And I think <laughs> she'll place Farmville for fuck's sake. Uh, I, I don't even think my mother-in-law uses Facebook other than to look at pictures of my daughter uh, that Samantha posts. So I, I'm very lucky in that regard, but it's, I, I can't friend request her 
eight years later. I, I, I like it's to just too around. awkward. To, so I, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm at their house right now. I got to make sure they're uh, she's still outside. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not going to accept your friend request, man. Sorry. I, I've, I looked at my friend request. I've got like five people that have been in Facebook friend request purgatory for over a year now. Um, so you're welcome to stay in there and maybe I'll change my mind in a year. Uh, and to, you know, maybe I'll get, I'll get drunk one day and be like, ah, fuck it. How but many, usually how, face, Facebook is for friends from, only. Are from high school though? Are they all like USF adjacent people? Let's see. Um, one, one from high school. I think one is USF, well, I guess now two are USF adjacent. One is, I don't know who it is, but my sister's friends with them and they're from Ireland, but I don't know how I know them. So I haven't, I haven't gone either way. And yeah. then one is my sister-in-law's ex-boyfriend's dad. Hey, so no. Prior, prior to COVID, we, uh, we were out in Dunedin and like ran into them and like the night after he friend requested me. And then one is from like a fancy football league that I was in like two years ago one of the guys like I mean are you, are you ever going to accept mine you son of a bitch or <laughs> well I, I haven't seen Senator Giggity's name pop up here um, well, let me see if I, let me see if I can find your Facebook it's a very elusive club <laughs> <laughs> oh lord so yeah not gonna, not going to um, do that uh, um, oh NIT or uh, NCAA tournament for men's basketball I think this is an NIT team. I think the yeah, uh, that's a, a, a mid NIT team, but I'd be pleasantly surprised if they went all you know NCAA. I think for them to get to the NCAA, they have to win the conference. I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to put up a, a stellar uh, regular season enough. I think they'll drop like stupid games here and there. Right, and losing to to Rhode Island and Virginia Tech on you know in in Connecticut was a bit of a hit. Those are two teams that even if you go one and one against them, it's a resume booster. But, man, it's tough. It's tough to, especially in this conference, especially with everything going on with COVID. I mean, you replaced LSU. It was, like, I think, like a top 40 um, Ken Palm team with, uh, who was it? Who they placed? Wofford. And Wofford's, like, yeah. 215 or something like that. And it, it, that's, those, right. aren't, those aren't the kind of wins that you're going you're gonna to get. Uh, get yeah. Boy. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Oh, uh, Steve, is there, a, is there a metric in any of these recruiting sites that give a true assessment for how signing day went for a team? For example, everyone seems to think USF beat out, beat out Florida and others on signing day, but it doesn't show up in recruiting rankings because it, because it doesn't include transfers and two codes. How, how, do you, how do you assess? How, how would the, the public at large assess um, the impact of transfers and what they can do for a recruiting class? Uh, good question. Um, this is a, a difficult thing and that's why um, rivals in 247 don't include transfers is because there's not a really a good way to, to accommodate them in a class. Um, the way that I do it uh, is I included their star rankings as if they were a senior in high school um, and, and slotted them into the, uh, into the team basically and used the average from there. Um, and built up the average using the same kind of metrics that they use. It's not exact, but it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, so far in my metrics, um, I have to double check 
um, Cincinnati's uh, with uh, with who they got and everything. But I think USF has the top class when it comes to average talent ranking and everything like that, um, as far as this signing class goes. Um, but unfortunately, there's no way to kind of get an official like spring grab of like USF being on top of the conference and everyone else underneath it, um, unless you want to go to the women's basketball standings. Um, but you know, there you just got to take it take it for what it's worth and, and right. take my word for it when I say that USF getting the five transfers that they did boosted their class from fourth slash fifth to to first or second. So right. I have a question about uh, Florida uh, is losing both Kyles, correct? Kyle Trask is also – is he graduating? I think so. Okay. Yeah, he hasn't know, officially uh, announced it yet, though. I know the other Kyle has is, is declared. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make a statement that they are super, super fucked because Dan Mullen can't shut his goddamn mouth and will only – and Dan Mullen will recruit people that Urban Meyer thinks are too rough. <laughs> Jesus, I think they're, they're heading towards the fucking death penalty, and I'm not kidding at all. I grew up around the Florida program, and it is not super from everything I've heard. Oh Lord. Okay. I'm yeah, the class they signed was 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 okay. They didn't sign like a they didn't sign like a, a typical Florida in a top ten uh, or top ten you know team. It was, I mean, they're tenth. But like it wasn't like right. a, you would think they'd be like fourth or fifth, and they lost some guys. Um, right, they had a, a bunch kind of flip on them at the, the last minute, right? A couple to Georgia, I think one to LSU, yeah, one to not, Alabama. That's not, yeah, that's not a great look. And I used to joke that uh, uh, what was Florida's last coach? What was his name? Jim McElwain. Yeah, I used to joke that Jim McElwain was a, a used RV dealer, and I think that. Uh, 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 current coach is basically a used pontoon boat dealer. So, <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, I mean, the only consolation is they got a they got Demarcus Bowman uh, to uh, to transfer from Clemson. He was a I think the number one running back in the country last year. So he'll probably shred us for like three hundred seventy five yards. Really, uh, I remember his uh, commitment video. Yeah, he was, was pretty. He uh, he committed playing uh, playing uh, NCAA fourteen. I remember that. I'm thinking of the same guy. I'm fairly certain I am. I think that was the one. But yeah, he'll shred us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Super duper. Sure. Um, I think that's it. Uh, we'll, God, unlikely, unless you guys do a podcast without me next week, uh, that will be another podcast um, in 2020. So, with that being said, I hope everyone stays safe. Well, wears a mask, wash your hands, and stay the uh, fuck inside. That too. Um, be safe. Have a wonderful Christmas holiday season. Enjoy the time that you have with whatever family members you're going to be celebrating with. If you're going out of town to celebrate with older folks, please get a COVID test before you go. Be smart about this. Um, vaccines are on their way. We're seeing all the medical personnel get vaccinated. It's only a matter of time before us peons are able to get vaccinated. I've seen a couple of politicians that damn sure didn't deserve it, but still got it. Right. And frankly, um, if you've ever had jungle juice at a frat party, you should not be worried about what's in the vaccine. If you ever so, stayed in beta, 
at USF, you damn sure don't need to worry about the vaccine. Also that if you've ever been to the LA Grime Out, you should not have to worry about the vaccine. Um, if you've ever- It wasn't COVID. <laughs> if you've ever been to happy hour at McDinton's, you should also not worry about the vaccine, what's in the vaccine. So you should be fine. Also, if you've ever been to 2001 Space Odyssey or any strip club within a five mile radius of Raymond James Stadium, you should not worry about what's in the vaccine. Okay, I think no, actually you're immune to everything if you've been to there. You know, so, if you live in Tampa, you're fine. You're, you're probably you're, all right. The greater Tampa area, Lutz, uh, Riverview, you're good. Just fucking take the shot, shut up, sit down. And uh, just enjoy enjoy Christmas. I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas. I, I assume, Steve, you're going to go to the Yacht Club for Christmas because you're uber white. Is the, <laughs> uber white. Duval. Is the Mrs. Is the Mrs. Uh, invited to Duval this year or? Or is she doing her own family thing? Uh, she's doing her own family thing. Um, no, she's she's Jewish, so she doesn't celebrate Christmas. Oh, good for her. Mm. Yeah, proud of her. No, she met my family. Uh, we took her to the yacht club. Uh, of course you did. Yeah, the usual. Like on a scale of one to ten, how white does your girlfriend think you are? Uh, Paige, on a scale of one to ten, how white am I? I heard nine. She just started laughing. So okay. that's a 10. Okay, it's a 10. Yeah, solid, <laughs> 10. solid, solid 10. Um, yeah, so have have fun uh, at the Yacht Club with your very white family and enjoy the yachts and drinking your spritzers or whatever you rich enjoy white me. folk do. Um, I'm drinking Bud Light. Bud Light, what? Pardon me. Uh, Senator, you're going to Disney. Are you staying there at Christmas uh, on Christmas Day? Yeah, no, we're staying. Uh, I, I splurged a little bit. I don't want to say the contemporary because fuck that noise. Um, staying at the, I can't remember if it's the Swan or the Dolphin. It's the same fucking thing. Um, but yeah, we're doing it because quite frankly, because we were going to go out of state. We we're going to go, I think, to uh, Charleston. But I heard that basically they weren't doing shit. Like they were just kind of letting everybody run rampant. And I didn't want to deal with that. I got, you know, I got family. So I don't want to endanger them so we're going to disney where everybody from all across the country can come and stay and play which is much smarter <laughs> exactly i will say that they they have their their covid protocols down we uh we were universal pass holders and they didn't do a fucking thing and it was it was rough disney like they will shame you if you if you have that mask under your nose so yeah. i'm good i'm okay with it Okay, good. Well, I hope you and, and the missus have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, it's just going to be a uh, normal Christmas with the in-laws and then uh, baby number two on the way uh, a week from Monday. So baby Archibald. Super, super excited. Um, again, have a safe and happy Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in 2021. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Bulls.